The year is 2178. My name is Russ Engel, and I haven't seen a single human in more than five months. You think that because you've seen all the zombie movies ever, you'll know exactly what to do. I used to joke about it with my girlfriend. I remember telling her that the day the zombie apocalypse happened, I would just take her and our cat and bolt toward the marina to steal a ship. Zombies couldn't swim, so we would all be safe in a boat. All we had to do was find a lovely, tranquil, deserted island and settle there. We joked about how we would miss the internet and Netflix, but as everyone with the it'll happen to me mentality, we never thought it would actually happen. But it did and I've never felt so alone in my life. This is what happened to me. I was woken up in a panic by my girlfriend. She yanked me out of bed and said that we needed to go. As I woke up and tried to figure out what was going on, my ears finally caught on the news playing in the background. Zombies. <laughs> I thought it was a bad joke, but it wasn't. I picked up the first clothes that I saw. A shirt with my name tag on it and a pair of camo pants. I grabbed the cat, my handgun, some clothes, a pocket knife, and I shoved some canned food in a bag and left. World War IV had been declared, and the countries didn't bother with nukes, since nuclear bombs were made illegal somewhere around 2050, after the Third World War. I wasn't even born by then, but my parents told me it was a good thing because these bombs could kill everyone on Earth. All countries apparently agreed to rid of them, but that didn't mean there wasn't any conflict left, and that didn't mean the absolutely no-chill countries didn't have a backup plan. The nukes might have been taken away, but biological warfare became a really fruitful field of research for Big Pharma. I'm guessing that's how we ended up here, and I say we, to try and fight against the loneliness because we is actually I. I didn't know if there were any other humans alive, because the only ones I've seen for the past five months have been dead, decaying, and very intent on eating my face in the less sexy way possible. The marina? <laughs> it was an excellent idea. Such a fantastic idea that everyone had the same idea. By the time my girlfriend and I reached there, it was set ablaze, so there were dead bodies everywhere, and what was left of the boats that didn't set sail couldn't be used anymore. We ran back to our car, but it was being hijacked by two teens who threatened to shoot us before driving away with it, and our cat. I could have shot them and taken the car back, but I didn't. They were just kids, and after all, it's just a series of unfortunate events that led me to be all alone. Seeing how the marina didn't work, we decided to go to my workplace. We found a car that was in still good enough condition to be driven. The owner, nowhere to be seen. Probably a biter by now. The town I worked in was in a pitiful state. Panic probably took over everyone, so there were many car crashes on the side of the streets. Street lamps were knocked over and fell on businesses. Glass shards were everywhere. You could see a few zombies roaming the streets, walking towards what made the most noise at the moment, which was us. I was driving way above the speed limit in an attempt to reach my workplace as quickly as possible. I worked in a research facility, 
so I knew I could find water, medical supplies, and everything you needed to survive. Except maybe food. As long as the place hadn't been scavenged from roof to basement. But I was hoping that no one had thought about it because of the panic. We could manage for food by scavenging grocery stores and restaurants and drug stores on our way there. I knew there wouldn't be much left on the shelves, but we still took everything we could find that would be edible for a while. Canned foods, mostly. We packed the car full of supplies and finally reached the facility. It was... crowded. There were a lot of biters around. While I could just drive my car over them, which would be good to paralyze them. I didn't want to damage the car too much if we needed it for a swift escape. I decided to park in a quiet corner and told my girlfriend not to make a sound. I knew how to get in and avoid the dozens of biters in the parking lot up front, but I couldn't do it while protecting her as well. Zombies are slow, and I run fast. I could easily make it to the employer's door in the back without them noticing or coming after me. She would be safer in the car anyway. And so, with that plan in mind, I dashed to the facility. It was abandoned as I thought it would be, but not as empty as I hoped it would be. I couldn't shoot my gun in fear of alerting more biters to my presence. I had to break a chair in one of my colleagues' offices to have a weapon. I used the chair leg as a bat and swung on every single biter that came at me. I even had to crush one's head in by slamming the door repeatedly against its skull. The sound it made as the cranium split to pieces and brain juices flowed out was pretty nasty. I couldn't find any medical supplies, but I saw enough bottled water to last us a week. I found the trolley we used to transport boxes and packed it up with the water. As I was making my way out, I was jumped by a biter. His nails dug into the flesh of my chest and tore through my shirt, ripping my name tag and the right sleeve in one fell swoop. I managed to push it back inside the room it came out of and closed the door. I felt the disgusting, slick warmth of my blood as it trickled down my chest and soaked my shirt. I cursed under my breath and tried to ignore the sting. If I wanted to alert the zombies to my presence, me smelling like a fresh meat buffet was the best way to do so. It was at that point I rushed out and dashed to the car, pulling the trolley with me. My girlfriend opened the door, and we shoved the 24-pack bottles of water and medical supplies on the back seat before driving away as fast as we could. Pieces of my shirt were still inside that lab, but I was alive. My chest burned but I was alive. Once we were far enough, Maya cleaned the wounds, and we threw the whole shirt away. I changed quickly into the clothes I had in my backpack, one of the only things that hadn't been stolen with the first car. And we drove down the highway, avoiding discarded cars and stray zombies as much as we could. And we survived. For a little bit. If you really need to know how I lost her. Well, I could tell you it wasn't pretty. I could tell you that we drove off following the East Coast down to Georgia, hoping to get to Florida. That we hoped to find a boat somewhere. And we searched. God, did we search. We even went into private residential districts close to the water to try to find yachts. 
but they had all been stolen or destroyed. I would have loved to tell you that I tried to save Maya, that I was a hero, that the world would let me keep her, but it's not what happened. She, luckily, wasn't ripped apart by zombies, to my knowledge at least. But as we persevered down the Georgia coast, we ended up meeting with a group of humans who blocked off the road we were following. They probably stopped each and every car that passed there and stole whatever still had worth on this godforsaken rock we call Earth. They decided the vehicle, all of our supplies, and Maya would be better with them and that I needed to go. They took everything from me. My girlfriend, the car, our supplies, everything. I tried to tell them that I was military and they could use my expertise, but it didn't work. I tried to fight them, but I was shot in the shoulder and I had to pretend to pass out on the side of the road so that I could survive. This was a coward move, but what else could I have done? Even as ex-military, I knew that both our odds were terrible if I kept butting heads with them. They took her, and I was left for dead. I prayed for her safety, but I knew that in this world, no one was safe. I couldn't shed a tear for her. I couldn't save Maya, so I had no right to cry for her. I abandoned her because I would have died if I didn't. When you're placed in a position where your survival is paramount, you're willing to let go of many things that you hold dear. I kept on living. Human survival instinct is a damned thing. The world around me had fallen apart and gave no signs of ever going back to normal. At this point, it was either adapt and survive, or kill yourself. I had to give up on finding a boat as well. My new priority was to patch up my shoulder and you guessed it, survive. I redirected myself inland, deeper in Georgia. I needed to get to a hospital to find some medical supplies, and with my clothing smelling like a buffet for zombies because of how drenched in blood they were, I desperately needed to change. There would most likely be clothes somewhere in a hospital, lost and found stuff maybe. The problem was that, to reach the hospital safely, I needed a car. Walking there with blood running down the length of my body was not a good idea at all. The only positive is that the zombie apocalypse are not like in the movies. Once the zombies cleared an area, you might meet one or two, but not large groups. You never see herds of zombies unless you're in a big town, which I wasn't. I was in a rural area of Georgia, so there weren't many biters to fight. I tore my shirt and tightly wrapped the scraps around the wound as tightly as I could. I wished that I had some pain meds, but I had nothing with me. Nothing to my name as I was stripped of everything when that group attacked me. With every last bit of energy I had, I walked through streets and streets trying to find a working vehicle. You'd be surprised how many abandoned cars there were, and how very few of them were in driving condition took about 25 minutes to find one, and another 15 to get the car to start without keys. But that was nothing compared to the scare of a biter suddenly tapping my window. I could smell its fetid breath as it growled at me and rolled up the window as quickly as I could. 
nearly slicing the zombie's fingers. Yeah, that was an old car. No automatic in that one, but it's whatever. I just needed a car to leave as quickly as I could. I stared at the flesh eater for a few seconds, somewhat mesmerized and disgusted that something falling apart like this could still walk. One of its eyes was gone from its socket. More than half the skin on that side of the face was either in tatters or gone. I could see the zombie's dry gray tongue lolling sideways inside of its mouth, the hole in its big cheek so big you'd think this one died by a missed gunshot wound to the mouth. Many people chose that way out, forgetting that they too would rise after death and increase the zombie's population problem. I also realized how I kept referring to zombies as it, as if they hadn't been human at some point. Zombie movies told me there were no cures, and I guess it's easier to shove a knife through their softened cranium when you don't think of them as humans. I started the car and drove away, leaving that disheveled mess of a rotten human being behind me. This man, this zombie did have a family too at some point. I wondered briefly if they all died together, or if like me, they'd been separated. Separated or not though, there were so very few humans still alive. It was hard for me to believe that anyone could survive alone for this time, and I didn't think I would last either, but with blood still trickling down my body. As I drove, I checked for hospital signs. Once I found one, I kept following them and found a small clinic. I had no idea where I was, but this was definitely a hospital or at least part of it. The bigger facility might have been a little further, but I honestly didn't feel too good with all the blood I lost, so this would have to do. I quickly searched the car for a weapon, and I was pleasantly surprised to find a bat. Luckily, too, the gunshot wound was not on my strong side. I hoped that this place wasn't infested, and did a little prayer as I got out of the car. The parking lot was pretty quiet, except for biters on the west side of it. However, since they're pretty slow, I managed to make my way to the clinic without being bothered. I took the time to close and lock the doors as well. Then I turned around and looked at the reception. There was a very dry, bloody handprint on the glass around the reception desk and the place was an absolute mess. I wasn't confident I was going to find anything worthwhile, like pain medication. This place had probably been raided many times in the past weeks, but I still prayed that I could at least find alcohol and some medical tools to remove the bullet from my wound. As I walked down the corridor, exploring each and every single room, I had hoped a biter wouldn't jump me. Fortunately, those I found were pretty slow, and not in a group. I swung my bat and killed a few biters before I could finally find what I was looking for. The room was a mess, definitely not sterile, but I found a pair of forceps. I knew this wasn't going to be easy, so I prepared something to bite in. I screamed against my gag as I plunged the forceps into the wound, looking for the bullet. While I could have left it in there, I didn't want the risk of an infection killing me. I didn't survive biters and a gang, only to die a dog's death with an infection. I saw black and white spots, 
and I felt cold sweat running down my body. I also felt every emotion on the spectrum before I finally found the bullet and ripped it out. I gotta say, I got lucky the wound was where it was, otherwise I'd probably be a dead man. I could even move my shoulders because it didn't damage any bone or anything. It was painful, sure, but I estimated a total remission to a few weeks at best. Once I was done with the bullet, I poured alcohol over the wound. I'm not a doctor, so everything I thought about remission and stuff was wishful thinking. I was doing my best with what I had. Then I stitched the wound shut as best as possible and placed the clean gauze on top of it. It would leave a gnarly looking scar. I wasn't even sure if I stitched it right, but nobody would know anyway. After I was done, I needed to count on my luck again. As much as I wanted to lay down and rest, I knew that I couldn't. Staying in the clinic was a bad idea, but I took my time to scavenge it. I went to the lost and found and found new clothes and a backpack. I filled the backpack with a bunch of painkillers I found, alcohol, gauze, and stuff that could be useful to survive. I remember thinking I wanted a shower so bad, but fresh water was scarce, and for sure, this clinic was sort of likely drained. Finding water was the most challenging thing to do after the apocalypse. For the first few weeks it was fine, a lot of places still had water, but now I'd have to go deep inland and find some houses with its own well if I ever wanted to live. And even then, I couldn't drink it because of the potential it was infected, and I had no means to boil it unless I started a fire, which ultimately would attract biters. I eventually what looked like a morgue and was surprised to find running water there. Maybe the morgue had its own water system. It was cold as hell, but I managed to rinse myself off a little. There was no way in hell I was drinking that water, but at least I didn't smell like dried minced meat anymore. Biters do work on instincts, and their senses are sharp. Just like sharks, if they smell blood, they're going after you. I had to bash a few more skulls on my way out of the clinic, but I felt refreshed. Not perfect, mind you, with an arm and a sling, but better than when I first entered the hospital. I finally left the clinic, managed to avoid most biters, and returned to the car I stole from the side of the road. After that, I moved several times. I tried to stay close to the grocery stores and places where I could find water. I've been surviving on Gatorade and gas station bottled water for a while, but these two eventually ran out, and each time I depleted my resources, I moved on again. And after a while, you stop counting the days. I estimated that my stay in Georgia was about four or five months. The lack of food, the increasing number of biters, the lack of social interactions were all reasons why I needed to move. My shoulder was healed, but remained somewhat stiff. The scar was as gnarly as I thought it would be, and sometimes it would still hurt. I was alive, but I was hanging on by a thread. I thought, maybe, I just needed to go back to plan one. Find a reason to live. If I went to the sea, I could fish and survive. I could also stay close to the shoreline so whenever I needed to refuel my water and gas, I'd be close enough. 
With that in mind, I decided to leave my current location. I hadn't talked to a human, a live one, in more than four months, and I felt like I was going crazy. But somehow, I still wanted to live. Another month passed before I could will myself to move. My will to live was waning, but I still struggled. I moved from house to house, surviving on what little pittance I could find in them. My stomach growled louder every day, and I felt weaker as well. It wasn't enough food. I was getting hungry and tired of eating cans, peaches, and questionable tuna. I needed to escape, but where? There wasn't any news channels, radios, or anything letting me know if there were other humans alive somewhere. Staying in place had proven safe, but incredibly lonely, and I was slowly fading away. I needed to do something. That something I needed to do came to me when I woke up with the Z's breath over my face. It somehow found its way inside the house I was hiding in and was a fraction of a second ready to bite my face. I managed to push it back and get up. Grabbing the machete I always kept close to me, I buried it deep into the biter's skull. It shook once, twice, before I pulled my blade back and watched it fall to the ground. But when I looked outside, I saw something I hope I'd never have to see. It wasn't a herd like something you'd see in a movie. It wasn't drowning in the street or absolutely inescapable. But I had rarely seen more than 10 to 12 zombies at once. I could count at least 50 just from the bay window. My safe place wasn't as safe anymore. And the front door was not an option. I didn't bother picking up food on my way out, only my weapons and my backpack. Why? Because if there was one biter inside, that meant there could be more. And they were coming. I ran out the back door as fast as I could, and I had to fight with everything I had to pass through a backyard full of zombies. I think I swung at four, maybe five, before I had to give up and just run. They might not be fast, but there's only a need for one to grab you by the collar to sign your death. I didn't plan on being a zombie's all-you-can-eat buffet. Unfortunately, escaping from the back meant my escape route led directly to the forest. There's something else that scary movies don't tell you about viruses, and it's that it can affect animals, or anything organic, differently. In my lonely months of scavenging, I've seen a lot of infected animals or plants. You wouldn't believe the crazy shit I saw. I once saw a cat being forced underground by the roots of an oak. I didn't stay long enough to figure out if the tree had killed it. But I was pretty sure that the cat isn't in this world anymore. I wanted to survive this herd, but I didn't trust the trees anymore. Some of them were alive, probably because of the virus. And a forest wasn't a much safer place than in the middle of a herd. But it's not like I had much choice, though. I'd rather risk my luck with the trees than the biters. I decided I had to do it, or I'd die anyway. Armed with a machete and a couple of guns, I ran toward the forest, the wind rustling the tree leaves, and I looked at them. So far, so good, but... So far, so good, but 
I knew I needed to stay on my guard. I entered the forest and almost instantly felt the ground move beneath my feet. Some tree roots were moving, probably because they felt my weight. I didn't stop. I couldn't stop running, or else I'd end up tree food, if that's even a thing. I didn't want to end up buried alive like that cat, or figure out what happened to it by experiencing it myself. So I kept running. I kept my gaze on the ground, hoping to avoid any roots that would poke out. I nearly tripped on one and got lashed in the face by a branch. It missed my eye, but I could feel it swelling already. My lungs were on fire and I couldn't breathe, but I still pushed through. I was so exhausted that when I reached the stream and got far enough from the trees, I nearly fell on my face. I wanted to drink that water so badly too. Believe me. But who knows what kind of dead meat might have fallen upstream. Can't drink water until it's been boiled. I heard the trees behind me, their leaves rustling as they oscillated left and right. Trees were alive, but not enough that they can chase me. I opened my backpack, got some water out and drank, then decided to make a fire. It was the beginning of the day, so the light of the fire wouldn't alert the zombies. Plus, with that stream here, I could take the opportunity to boil some water and make some reserves. Once I had three bottles of boiled water, I felt my stomach tightening and convulsing. I only had a can of chicken noodle soup in my backpack and planned on keeping it for later, but my stomach's complaints were unbearable. I planned on eating half now and keeping the other half for later. I wasn't even three spoons in when I heard it. A bark. A dog's barking. Now let me tell you something. I've been around a lot of zombie dogs. And I've never heard them bark. My reaction was instantaneous. I jumped up to my feet and left my suit behind. Then rushed toward the direction of the barking. I was armed with a machete and my gun. I just left my backpack behind. I followed the barking until I saw a small scruffy dog fighting for survival against a weeping willow tree. I felt the adrenaline pulse through my system, and when I got there I started slicing away at the branches. I could feel my stiff shoulders stinging with each swing of my blade, but I wasn't going to stop. The weeping willow entangled the dog's hind legs in those branches. They looked like they were squeezing and slowly starting to cut through. That poor dog whined and barked and bit at the tree until I managed to free its leg. And though the tree couldn't scream, I felt the ground vibrate beneath my feet. It was furious that I took away its prey. I didn't think twice and grabbed the dog before running away and back toward where I left my stuff. The dog didn't bite me either, and though it was scrawny, it was still alive and I wondered how such a small thing could have survived this world on its own. But then I thought about it. I too was still alive. I gave the rest of my soup to the dog, and it lapped it up as if it hadn't had anything to eat in weeks. I also gave it some water. It was still warm, but it was good. The dog looked like a small German shepherd, brown and tan like them, but he was still a puppy. Maybe... Eight months old at best? It probably fed on trash it found. It got lucky it didn't get sick from drinking contaminated water. 
This dog was the survivor. I patched its wounds as best as I could. Then it didn't run away. Maybe he also realized that there weren't many living things left anymore. That we should stick together. I didn't even think twice either. I knew I was keeping that dog. It made me feel hopeful that there were still others alive. I didn't see anything alive in the past five months. And that dog is everything for me. It made me want to live again. And so, with my new companion, I made it through the forest and started searching for a car again. Once we found one, I planned on going down to Florida, following the east coast. It took six different vehicles and a lot of patience to find a boat for my pup and myself. And it took us months to find food, water, and fuel for it. But once it was ready... We took off. Leaving the lonely land behind us was the best decision we could have made for ourselves. And I'm hopeful that we'll find other humans eventually. The world might be lonely right now. But with Willow, it's a little more bearable.